Well, as Yancey mentioned, uh, we are going to talk about does it fit, um, and I actually previewed it a little bit myself because I accidentally sat on this thing and turned it on for just a moment, but um, we're going to talk about this because I think it's something that uh, we're aware of, but it can slip our minds and, and we can get away from some habits, and perhaps it's time from time to time in our lives to go back and do a little bit of spring cleaning and look at our life and evaluate the activities that we're involved in and and see does this really fit with who i am and what i what i stand for and specifically uh, if we profess to be christians how does it how does it uh live side by side with that idea um you know the popular culture would tell you that you can have it all that uh, you know that uh you can be, you know, wealthy and you can be, uh, you can be popular and you can run with the crowd and yet you can still have God. Um, Jesus said a long time ago in the Sermon on the Mount that um, we can't serve two masters because we'll, we'll either, we'll cleave the one and we'll hate the other. And he said, you'll, you can't serve God and mammon, meaning you can't serve God and wealth, that in, in, in the final analysis, really, you're going to have to pick. You can't have it all. And I, I, I'm sure that most of us this morning are aware of that. And there's trade-offs in everything that we do in life. And for the most part, we understand that. But I think a lot of people, when it comes to Christianity, get away, get away from that. Um, I want to illustrate this with a personal lesson. Uh, this is not an advertisement for any kind of diet program, Okay. Uh, Sister Laura is an expert in, uh, has a degree in nutrition. Um, if you, if you need advice in terms of nutrition, she would be the person to go to. But I'll tell you my personal experience. Uh, about a dozen years ago, um, I was of an age that I was beginning to drive by the hospital and go, well, I see where the emergency room is. So, you know, if I have a, a heart attack or something, I'll see where to pull in. Uh, you, when you start doing that kind of thing, it's time to reevaluate your life choices. And um, I was living under the policy of no enchilada left behind. Pretty well anything that was out there, I love to eat. And I'll, I'll tell you, to this day, still, that is, that is, uh, that's a weakness of mine. Is, and one, I've got a bowl of candy on my uh, table in my office at school that I never touch. Because if I ever eat one, that'll be all I think about all day long. And that won't be the last one. I can tell myself it'll be the last one, but I know me, and it won't be. So, um, a number of years ago, uh, I was up at Open Gym. At the time, I was coaching basketball, and, and I was lamenting the fact that I was overweight and that I didn't feel as good as I needed and uh, so one of the dads that was up watching his boy play in open gym that night, um, he handed me this book. And I, I thought at the time, I said, I know how to lose weight. I, I know my problem. I just need to do it. And uh, so he handed me this book and my, not knowing him well, I took it home and I was going to be gracious enough to take it home and then give it back to him a couple of weeks later and say, well, I looked through it and, you know, it's just not for me. But I read the first chapter. First chapter really didn't talk about losing weight. It talked about an energy level. It talked about all the side benefits 
that particularly when you're when you're coaching basketball or you're involved in any kind of thing that's pushing your schedule and you're working lots of hours, you need you need high energy. You need to feel well. And so this that first chapter really resonated with me. And so for the next four books, and I guess it was probably about four books that I read on this subject uh, and began to share those things with Connie, um, we really we really completely changed um, the way that we ate. And again, this is not an advertisement for that. I'm just saying that uh, the impor- when something is important to you, you will make the changes necessary to make it happen. When it's important to you, you will do that. And it's going to mean some sacrifices. And, and, you know, we recognized right away that there were some things that had to go. Like, for example, we had to redo our kitchen. This is uh, vegetable oil. She stopped cooking with vegetable oil. I don't even know that we have any in the house. Um, now it's coconut oil or it's olive oil. It's something like that that's, that's a, healthier, uh, a healthier ingredient to cook with. Instead of having chips for snacks, uh, my diet consists somewhat largely of, of nuts, almonds and such. And I will tell you, up until this time, I'd probably not eaten four almonds in my entire life. And now I've eaten probably hundreds of thousands since then. Um, that's, you may not be able to see that very well. That's mashed potatoes. I love mashed potatoes. They're really good. Um, that is cauliflower that's ground up. Now, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound good, but I promise you that it can be prepared and be really tasty. Okay, I love, I love pasta. And so for me, pasta was hard. For her, giving up pizza was hard. But pasta was, I, I still, that fettuccine Alfredo, just the, just seeing that makes me want some. But I've given that up largely for salads and things like that to hopefully get a benefit. Now, again, there's a trade-off. And, and I, I'm, I'm not advocating that you do that. You do that if you want to. It's not to, I'm not saying you're not a Christian if you do that. Uh, in fact, you can be too obsessive about it, and that's, that's not good either. Uh, but anyway, that's just... The point is, is that if we really want, if we want something badly enough, we will go, this is important, and I understand that if I'm going to do this and get the benefits of this, I'm going to have to give up that. It's pretty obvious, right? Well, I want to look back at the, the teachings of the Apostle Paul. This is in Acts chapter 19. Paul was teaching here in the city of Ephesus. And uh, it says, and he continued there for about two years. Uh, he was teaching in the, the school of uh, Tyrannus. And uh, they say that all in Asia heard the word of the Lord. So it was two years of really educating people. There's a lot of hard work that went on here in Ephesus. And God blessed that work. There were some unusual miracles that happened by the hands of Paul. Uh, even the handkerchiefs or aprons that were brought to him and then taken back to the sick, uh, the diseases left those people. So God was with that work, and it was clear that God was using what what He said in in uh, Mark chapter sixteen that you know He was confirming the word with signs. 
And these signs showed that that was legitimate. You could believe what was being taught. These signs were merely a confirmation of God's hand being, being with those that were teaching that. But I want you to notice what happened. The result of, of that work is, and many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds, and many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. You see, again, there was a recognition that, hey, if we're going to embrace this Christianity lifestyle, the stuff we've been doing over here, we've got to give it up. It's got to go. We have to prune that from our lives. And the way that they did that is they burned these books. And they did that as a public display so that everybody could see their commitment. Now, that's a, that's a very public thing to do because now everybody knows I'm taking a stand right here. And I'm going to do away with these other things. And it says, and they counted up the value of them. It totaled about 50,000 pieces of silver so they even took the time to, to analyze and realize that <laughs> this is a lot of worth, a lot of value that we're giving up. But the kingdom of God was worth more. And they understood that they could not keep one foot planted in one world and another foot planted in another world and be successful in both. Well, think about the children of Israel. And we're going to show a counterexample here. Um, God blessed Israel. They were slaves in Egypt. And we all know the stories of all the things that happened as God had Moses lead them out of Egypt. And he blessed them to go across the, the, the river Jordan and, and into the, the, the wilderness on their way to the promised land. But as the Apostle Paul tells it in uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, he says there are lots of evil things that happened there. They lusted after evil things. They became idolaters. They committed sexual immorality. They tempted Christ. They complained. What were they were doing? They were reverting back to their old ways, the ways they'd lived in Egypt. So those things that you would have thought they would have been glad to, to relieve themselves of the shackles of, of that bondage, Yet that was the life that they knew. And now they're over in this new land. And so what do they do? They turn back to what they know. They went back to idolatry. And you know that God was not pleased with them. And so, except for two, all of them died in that wilderness. Did you know it's an 11-day journey from where they crossed the river to the promised land? An 11-day journey. And yet they wandered for 40, not days, 40 years. For 40 years they wandered. And they died in the wilderness. God essentially said, these guys don't get it. They, they, they want their old ways, and so we're just going to let them die off, and then their children that will inherit the promised land. And so that's pretty much what, what occurred. Well, look at New Testament. So we know that that happened in the Old Testament. People still want to embrace the old ways. Look in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 1. Paul says that I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some that would trouble you and would want to pervert the gospel of Christ. What he's saying here is that there were these teachers that were, they were Jews. 
and they were they were going to these churches. Some of these people were Jews. Some of these people that they were going to were Gentiles. And they're saying, yes, you follow Christ, but also you follow the old law. You see, they weren't ready to give it up. They wanted to hold on to that old law because to them, God rested with them in that old law. And so it was very difficult for them to say, forget that, I've got to move to something else. I've got to give that up. So you see lots of examples of, of things in, the, in the, both the Old and the New Testament where people were unwilling or unable to make the changes that they had to make to follow the gospel. We know that there's a cost. That any time we make these type changes, there's a cost. Uh, Luke chapter 14 says, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man begins to build and was not able to finish. Those things become a monument to poor planning, don't they? That, uh, you know, we've got a place right down the road from Connie and I where uh, it's just, the turn is just not right. The, the, the city started it one way and it didn't work because of drainage. And they they've basically just said, well, we ran out of money, so we'll leave it like this. It's not good. But that's that's what they had to do. And it's really, it stays there as a monument to their inability to plan it all the way through and count the cost and see if it's really worth it. And I would submit to you that there's probably a lot of people who are Christians or at least profess Christianity that are walking monuments to this same type of failure. That they started with a plan, they made a commitment to follow Christ, and yet they really didn't think about the cost. They thought they could have it all, they thought they could have one world and one foot in the spiritual world, and they could keep one foot in the in the carnal world, and they could have both. And I'm afraid that Jesus teaches us that that's just not the case; that we can't do that. If we want the benefits, we've got to we've got to truly give all that up. Um, so I want to look at just a few things this morning that maybe kind of in self-examination to determine whether things fit. I'm, I'm sorry you can't read that very well, but that is a list of TV shows. So you think about TV shows. Uh, and you can add to that uh, YouTube videos, uh, websites that you frequent on the Internet, anything like that you could throw in this same bundle. And ask yourself, do the, do the shows that I'm watching or the sites that I'm, I'm visiting... Are the YouTube videos that I'm frequenting, are they consistent with the lifestyle that I have made a declaration that I'm going to live as a Christian? I, I will tell you that uh, we've got into some situations where we'll start a show, and the show, we'll watch a show or two, and it seems pretty innocent, and we'll kind of get into the show. And then as we watch more and more of it, it begins to digress, at least spiritually digress, and you see some immorality that's portrayed, and, and you see some maybe some homosexuality or anything like that, that uh, bad language, those kind of things. And yet, at, once we're hooked on those things, you watch four or five shows, it's kind of hard to say, 
I'm going to drop it. But, brethren, that's kind of what, we're, what we're, we really should be able to do is look at it and go, does that fit with what the lifestyle that I've committed to live and to be a Christian? Does that fit? And so I would, I would ask you to evaluate the things that you're seeing with your eyes. What, what, what are you watching? What are you putting in your brain uh, through... Uh, media, through TV, through computer, and so forth. Uh, the type of music that you're listening to. Uh, what's the message of that music? Uh, what's the effect of that music on your heart? Does it draw you cl- close to the Lord? Are you listening to things that are, that are spiritual? Uh, are you listening to things that, uh, that have a message of, of hate and, and bitterness? And is that, is, is that what you're programming yourself with? Because if you are, that's, that's going to be the condition of your heart if you, if you do it long enough. So examine your music. What's it, what's it say about your lifestyle? Would you, would you share headbuds with Jesus, listen to some of the songs that you're, you're listening to? Books. When you read an author, you are giving that author, you're renting that author space in your head. That's what you're doing. I'm not saying it's bad. I love to read books. I'm saying we have to be careful about the kind of books we read. And again, a lot of times a book will start out, and I don't read fiction anyway, so I'm not, this is not a big one with me, I guess. Uh, but you might read a book, and it starts out kind of innocent, and then in chapter 2 or 3, you begin to see the, it changes, it digresses. And so they get you hooked, and then you're willing to tolerate something that maybe you would have you would have put them, if it if they'd have come out with that on page one, you'd have slammed it shut and been done with it. But because they did it on page one hundred, you were kind of into the story at that point. It was harder to say no to. I'll tell you that, uh, and I've said this before a number of years ago. I began reading a series of books on the mafia. Uh, I began. I was fascinated with the mafia, not that I wanted to be a gangster, but I was interested in in that that what how that all worked. And so I read a series of books on that. And I'll tell you, you start thinking like that a little bit because I never whacked anybody, but but you kind of think that way if you've read four or five of those books. And the cumulative effect of all of that can really have a, an effect on your Christianity because it affects your heart. And then the next one I would say is to think about your friends. And this is a hard one because our friends are our friends. But... If they're going in a direction that you don't want to go, you may have not. You maybe you're not going to completely break those relationships, sever those relationships. But maybe you want to put them in a different box, and you don't want to. You don't want to go the same places that that they're choosing to go because that's just not aligning with with the type of lifestyle that you're choosing to live as Christians. So think about your friends. What kind of effect are they having on you? Are they bringing you closer to the Lord? Or are they are they steering you farther away? And then I've got up here just hobbies. Things that you like to do in your free time. Um, in themselves, they're very innocent. Um, but are they the kind that take you away from your home for a number of days? Or uh, And maybe, you know, if somebody's a hunter and they want to go hunting and they're, it's a, a hunting trip that they're gone to for a day or a week, whatever's acceptable. I think that's something you work out with your family. But you have to consider 
how's that affect your relationship with the Lord? Um, you know, these things, these things, again, in and of themselves are not wrong. But we have to look at the bigger picture and how that's affecting us um, in, our, in our commitment to live with the Lord. And then, and then another one I would say is alcohol. Um, alcohol consumption is not condemned in Scripture. We don't see that as, I can't take you to a passage and say it's wrong. But I want you to consider a situation that you're ha- trying to have an influence on a coworker, and you're sitting in a restaurant and you've decided to have a beer or a glass of wine with your meal and, and, and your coworker comes in and they sees, see that. Is that going to undermine your influence with them? I don't know. Maybe not. But it's something to consider, something to think about. And so, um, again, my message this morning is more about just you considering the things that you've let you've allowed yourself to embrace, to be part of your life, and then to kind of do a spring cleaning and look, does that really fit? And then the final one I've got up here is movies, the type of movies you go to. And and uh, uh, again, those things is... I, I heard a preacher say one time, the problem with uh, the movie industry is not that there's a Hollywood producer that's out there willing to produce it. It's that there's a Christian out there it's willing to give them 10 bucks to go watch it. And so, it, you know, it, we vote with our dollars. And you stop voting with your dollars for those kind of things, and, those, and they'll begin to make movies that are more, uh, more suitable to Christians. And we've seen some of those. And, and I always appreciate when something like that comes out because I think it shows that there is a power. It's not, it's not the dominant culture, but... There is a market out there for those kind of things. And I want you to consider what Peter said. Peter said that for after, for if after they escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse than them for the beginning, from, than the beginning. What that's saying that it's worse to make the commitment to be a Christian, to start down that road, and then to fall back. Maybe it's worse because it's harder to come back the second time. Maybe, maybe after you've, I don't know. But that's what, that's what Peter said. And he goes on to say, For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than, at, than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow, uh, and a, a sow having washed, to her wallowing in the mire. You know, you, you think about that pig that knows nothing but that mud hole, and you think about a Christian that knows a dark side, and temptations to get close to that that uh, mud puddle it's like the story of the little boy that he's got on some new clothes and his mom's finishing dressing and they're about to go someplace and mom says now don't go out and play in fact there's there's some there's some boys out there in the street and they're playing and and i don't want you out there because there's some mud out there it's just rained and you'll get mud all over your clothes and so he thinks he stands there at the door for a little bit and looks out and he thinks this is you know I can step out there and I won't hurt anything. So he steps out on the porch and he watches for a little bit. And then, boy, they look like they're having a great time. 
So he goes over there and he gets a little closer. And still no mud near him, so why not? He gets up a little closer. And before long, guess what? He's got mud on his clothes. And we all know that. And that the temptation is there's always an overconfidence on the part of us to think that we can get closer to that mud hole without getting mud on us until it's too late. And then the mud's on us and then we can't, and it's hard to get off. It's hard to make it right sometimes. So the question I leave before you this morning, does it fit? Look at your life. See if those things are, are aligned the way that they should be as a Christian. Um, there was a famous trial years ago, um, O.J. Simpson, and uh, the famous line from that movie, you remember, remember the, uh, the scene where they show O.J. and he puts the glove on, they got him on the stand there, and they take the glove that supposedly was collected there at the crime scene, and he tries to put it on, and it's too small, and it didn't fit. And so Johnny Cochran's message to the jury was, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. And that really resonated, and I still remember that line today. And I'm sure many of you that were uh, adults or, or young folks during that time remember that as well. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. And I would submit to you this morning that we as Christians, if it doesn't fit, we've got to get it out of our lives. We've got to say goodbye to it. We've got to embrace the greater good, knowing that the blessings of that are far greater than anything we might give up. So if we can help you this morning, we're going to offer a song of invitation. If, uh, if we can uh, pray for you or do anything for you, we would ask you to come forward as we stand and sing together.